0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Research Saturday. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is our weekly conversation with researchers and analysts, tracking down the threats and vulnerabilities, solving some of the hard problems of protecting ourselves in a rapidly evolving cyberspace. Thanks for joining us.
1: You know, anytime there's a major event, like you said, you know, the World Cup now, it could be, you know,
0: the Olympics. Uh, there's First of all, there's a lot of preparation that goes into it. That's A.J. Nash. He's vice president and distinguished fellow for intelligence at ZeroFox. The research we're discussing today is titled Qatar 2022 World Cup Event Assessment.
1: getting set up for this. Everybody understands the threat is going to increase these events, both physical security and, and cybersecurity. So there's a, there's a lot of uh, buildup to that and, and organizations tend to set up you know, these large SOCs or these security operation centers, uh, bringing in lots of different government agencies, vendors uh, from around the world to, to really set up. So a lot of preparation has gone into this prior to the event ever kicking off. I, I personally have been involved in some of the run-up for a couple of Olympics. I've seen how that works out. Um, and in doing that, There's a lot of prep work done to understand who are the likely threats, what are the likely tactics, techniques, and procedures, you know, as related to the technology. So there's a whole acquisition process that goes into that as well. What technology should we acquire? Um, Anything from, you know, your comms, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, your cell phone systems, your chat systems, you know, what communication structures you're going to have, but also ticketing, um, you know, point of sale, you know, all the things Mm -hmm. you would expect that are uh, these big events, including um, accommodations, you know, uh, hotel reservation Mm -hmm. systems and, um, Uh, Transportation systems, you know, they they have a new um, metro system, right, a new train system. So all of that had to be prepared for. Uh, That's, you know, that's why these events take years to prepare for. It's not just the construction projects to get that set up. And then uh, as you start getting closer to the event, you know, those socks get run up and you start running, you know, your collections to understand what are we expecting to see. There's also a whole social media monitoring campaign that goes with that and dark web uh, research to try to stay ahead of adversaries and understand what they might be interested in. Generally, large events like this, you're looking at a couple different types of adversaries. There's certainly going to be the financial. There, there always is. Whenever there's money, there's criminals. Mm. Uh, there's certainly going to be a financial aspect to it. Somebody trying to set up you know, scams for tickets for, like I said, accommodations, all of these things. But with these larger events like the World Cup, like the Olympics... Uh, there's, there's a political aspect to these. You, know, you have a lot of nations from around the world getting together. They don't all get, agree on things, and therefore you know, people don't all agree. So there's there's almost always going to be some level of political concerns. So you have to look for hacktivists. You have to look for terrorism, uh, you know, social activism, and, and how that might play a role, uh, protests and things like that. And then that's all overlaid on the laws of the nation, the host nation. right? So the, the laws, for instance, in Canada or the U.S. or Paris – would be very different than the laws in there and how those type of activities are going to be, you know, treated. So, all of that, I'm I'm quite confident, uh, has gone on for well, since this was awarded ten years ago, but certainly for the last couple of years in building up um, that knowledge base and that uh, that level of of comfort of what we should expect to see and, and what preparations are in place to uh, to account for it.
0: Can we go through some of the key elements that, that you and your colleagues uh, report on here in, in the uh, the publication? Um, you know, some of the some of the real, I don't know, proximate things that that uh, that they're looking out for here.
1: Yeah, I think we've seen, and we've seen some of these things reported in the media, right? So um, you're looking for you know human rights activists. There's there's been a lot of discussion mm. there uh, in Qatar and, and their policies towards the LGBTQ community. Um, there was uh, a bit of an uproar, actually, uh, unrelated to that, but uh, Guthrie at the last minute changed the policy on alcoholic beverages and where those were going to be located. And, and so Budweiser you know, had some issues with that because they were a sponsor. So you have to look for right. what you're going to see there in terms of responses. Are people going to you know, have adverse responses physically, but also you know, in cyber? Uh, anytime somebody's upset, it, it can trigger an event like that.
0: I saw that some of the crowds were. The, the, I believe it was the Brits who were chanting, "We want beer," because there was there was no beer in the stadium.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it was a last minute change. El Cutter made a few changes at the end there that FIFA took some some grief for and had to make some public statements about that. People have been mm-hmm. upset about you know, and, and really this entire event. There's been some controversy from the beginning when when Cutter was first awarded World Cup, and so that's that sort of plagued them along the way and, and some you know, whispers of, of how they were able to acquire the World Cup. So any sort of right. changes like that at the last minute aren't, aren't favorable to them. But some of the things we covered in the, in the paper specifically, uh, certainly ticketing scams again, uh, are, are a big challenge. Uh, they are in any kind of event like this. And we have some examples of efforts, you know, to exploit folks, uh, with that, uh, some phishing campaigns that tied, you know, lures of uh, the World Cup is again, a major event, like any major event, is a great lure when you get into phishing campaigns. Whether it's, again, a sporting event, whether it's COVID, whether it's an election, anytime there's something that captures the attention of the world, you can really bet on uh, somebody turning that into a phishing campaign. So we've certainly seen a jump in some phishing campaigns tied to COVID. Now we've seen them tied to, to FIFA Cutler 2022. Um, you know, fake campaigns to get free tickets and you know things that have been tied to cryptocurrency anything to try to, to steal people's money of course mm. um has been available uh, social engineering always comes into play you know again using things like fake fake lotteries um you know counterfeit ticket sales have been tied to that too so people are, are targeting folks you know through social engineering campaigns and again the the lure is this event you know these tickets are expensive they're hard to come by Uh, Mm -hmm. This is the world's largest sporting event. I'm pretty confident it's between the Olympics, but I think this is the biggest one. So, uh, you know, it's a massively popular sport. So there's, again, that opportunity as people want something, whatever that want is, as that want grows, their caution shrinks. You know, so for instance, I know we've talked before about Black Friday events and scams with that. As you really want that hot thing, you talk yourself into believing things you know you shouldn't. Same thing will happen with something like a World Cup. So, so scams are on the rise as a result of that. Uh, And we covered some of that. Mobile app security, another piece uh, that came up here. You know, it's a requirement for everybody eighteen and over uh, going to the Qatar World Cup to download a couple of different apps. So that opens the door for concerns about. About monitoring, you know, are those apps, you know, going to be hacked? Are they being monitored? You know, what's the security that ties to that, and how does that tie back to, for uh, local authorities, if not, uh, you know, criminals and and those who might want to do harm? Right. So, uh, we did touch a bit on that as well.
0: I'm curious, you know, the to me this really points out the importance of the collaboration between, say, the cyber teams and the physical security teams. How in a, when you have a big event like this, whether it's this or the Olympics, anything, a Super Bowl, uh, that 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 flow of information uh, really has to be there. Yeah, hundred percent.
1: You know, uh, we talk regularly about this the the connection, like you said, between the cyber and the physical world. These are these are so interrelated, um, and events like this really amplify that. You know, it's true in daily life. You know, I, I talk a lot with organizations about the need to have these fusion centers to understand that. Things that we see in cyberspace can be indicators of a physical event. We see planning, in fact. Uh, And things that are happening physically could be tied to a cyber event. A physical attack can be used as a distraction uh, while a cyber event goes on that's being unnoticed. Uh, So that's always been true, but uh, never more so than when you get into these large-scale events again, where you really have to do that. This is why these organizations set up these giant socks, and they spend a lot of time and energy and money and, and really get the best resources in the world together to do these events because you have a very small period of time to be as close to perfect as possible and adversaries who want to do harm again, the financial was there, but if let's say you're politically motivated and you want to do harm, this is the world's biggest stage for that. Uh, and, and, folks are expected to protect against that so there's the pressure is very high uh and you want to bring all of your resources together so that you're you're able to work together if something's going on physically you want to see what's going on in social media what's being talked about what's known uh Mm. you know what's suspected what's being claimed if something's happening in social media and there's discussions about you know frustrations about things are are people frustrated and you know venting or are they planning to do something about it is there a, is there an attack that's coming with this um mm-hmm. you know and if bad things do happen also being able to go back and look you know in the places you might expect to find you know criminals talking about it you know so you can look for attribution or you can look for if data was stolen where it might have gone or if money was stolen you know where it might have been transferred to or crypto or something like that so in daily life for large enterprises certainly i believe these should be fused together. That fusion cells are incredibly important. That cyber and physical work hand in hand on these things. Uh, when you're when you're stove piped, uh, you're really not doing yourself uh, a bit of good, frankly. But in these events, is the only time we we've, we've consistently seen people seem to pull that together uh, through through multiple World Cups and and World Series and Super Bowls and and Olympics and that kind of thing. We do see uh, that comes together more than ever.
0: Imagine a world where you're always one step ahead of cyber threats, where your defenses are impenetrable because you see what others don't. Welcome to Team Cymru's Threat Intelligence Solutions. With real-time access to the world's largest threat intelligence data ocean, they enable you to turn the tables on attackers. Transform your security from reactive to proactive through accelerated threat hunting and incident response, made possible through automation. Empower your team with visibility and insights to start defending your organization like never before. Team Cymru. Be the hunter, not the hunted. Learn more at team-cymru.com slash cyberwire. That's team-cymru.com slash cyberwire. You know, you, you mentioned that you've had some involvement with uh, Olympics games in the past. And I'm curious if, if you have any insights on to kind of how it's organized. I mean, is it, does the host country take the lead when it comes to cybersecurity? And then um, other nations come in and, and say, yeah, that's good enough for us, or, or we need something additional to that. or How does that, uh, that international collaboration generally work?
1: That's a, that's a good question. I, I can speak to the ones I've seen personally, so I obviously can't speak mm. to all of them. But in the ones I've seen personally and, and the run-up to that, so the host nation, uh, along with uh, the International Olympic Committee, in this case, uh, worked together on this. So I, I have some experience uh, from Brazil Olympics and, and from the uh, Japan, from Tokyo, mm. um, and how that was done. And it's it's intense. You know, there's there's good reason these Olympic events, uh, and I'm sure it's the same with the World Cup. I have to admit I haven't watched this, the run-up from the inside, there's a good reason these are put so far in advance. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of infra- infrastructure needs to be built, but also all of this planning takes a lot of time. So there's a there's a lot of interview processes with different vendors. There's a lot of work with different government agencies. From my experience, what I saw was was countries really focusing on. We just want the best practices. We want to do this well. Uh, I did see a lot of great teamwork and communication. Um, obviously, vendors are, are looking to you know fight for that business. There's money in there, but mm. uh, I always saw a lot of uh, companies that were willing to work really well together. You know, these nations want to succeed. They want these to be successful events. They're worth a lot of money. They're a lot of prestige, but they also want to keep people safe. And you know, nobody wants to see. We've had terrible events, you know, years and years ago in the Olympics. Nobody wants to see something like that again. There's a lot of work that goes into to planning that out, but it's they bring in incredible experts uh, from around the world. And of course, you know if you're in this field and you want to do good things, that's where you want to be. you know the the Super Bowl, for instance, use that as an example, is is the greatest football event of the year in America. But if you're a cybersecurity expert or a physical security expert, that is your Super Bowl, right? I mean, this is there's no better opportunity to do good things on a big stage and be successful. I mean, it's it's scary and it's you know it's uh, stressful, much like I'm sure it is for the players on the field. But it's where you want to be. So you know these events attract great talent uh, who want to be a part of it. They want a chance to contribute to success. In my experience, what I saw was amazing talent uh, getting together, putting together uh, incredible security practices, and you know socks and backup socks and and physical and cyber working together and working with the local law enforcement. The only complications I saw that come into it, which is just the nature of, of international world, is again countries have different laws, so then you have to also apply that. So, for instance, the. The ability to monitor domestic communications when somebody like the U.S. or Canada were to host a large event might be different mm. um, than it is if, if somebody in well, Qatar or um, UAE or Russia or any number of countries, right? I don't wanna, I'm not trying to pick out countries specifically. Laws are just different, you know, locally. Yeah. So also applying that, to what you're doing and saying hey here's the things we're able to do or the things we're not able to do um and how do we account for that or how do you build the right relationships with local law enforcement to make things you know legal? you do want to stay within long both domestic and international so working with the local agencies the federal agencies uh for whatever the host nation is to make sure that that you're doing that and of course all those federal agencies have vested interest in successful events as well so it's remarkable. I got I to be honest. Uh, and I only had a small piece uh, of, of those events. I'm not responsible for anything that I would claim, you know, I didn't contribute in my opinion, uh, just a small piece of seeing how these things were being put together and having some, some right. involvement in the planning. It's remarkable. I I don't envy the committees that, that have the work to do. But what I saw was diligent people who take the time and effort to do it right. It's why there's years on this. Um, and it's every time there's a large event like this that goes off and we don't have a major news story it's it's a credit to the people behind the scenes that are making those things happen it's it's hard work and these are long events you know world cup goes on for a long time super bowl at least is just one day right. um, you know world <laughs> series is a week week and a half whatever it might be right the world cup the is the olympics these are long events uh lots of people working really hard constantly monitoring to try to keep uh, everybody safe
0: and I suppose there's, there's some security awareness training that goes into everyone or that goes toward everyone who goes there from obviously the, the athletes themselves, the coaches. But I'm thinking even, you know, the folks who are there running the TV cameras and uh, vendors and all that sort of stuff. When you're a stranger in a strange land, um, you know, you need to – to your point about the local laws and customs and all that kind of stuff, um, even when it comes to cyber – uh, you, I, I, there's probably nobody who doesn't need a refresher. Oh,
1: 100%. I agree. You know, that's the reason we do a paper like this, for instance, you know, the, the World Cup event assessment is for that. You know, this is, this is for... Uh, anybody, you know, an executive who might be going to the World Cup, for instance, um, or or the cameraman, anybody in between, right? It's an opportunity to understand what are the threats we, we should be looking for, you know, what are the local customs, rules, laws, etc. Um, but there's also other things, you know, we uh, our, our team and others do the same, I'm sure. You know, we do tra- travel assessments and briefings of that kind of thing for anybody going anywhere, frankly. Um, because you're right, there are things you would think, Most of us have a bias, at least, towards what we what we know, right? So you might think this is what I've always done, and then you go to a country and realize the thing you do all the time is illegal. Uh, You know, I, I talk about this a lot with like encryption or VPNs on our phones, for instance. There's countries in the world where that's illegal, and if you don't know that and you show up off the plane and your phone's encrypted. And then you may have a problem. You may not. They may enforce it. They may not. But some countries, that can be a real issue. Um, so, understanding that, you know, Qatar uh, specifically, you know, we've seen, um, you know, there's, I mentioned the LGBTQ um, controversy. Uh, you know, the country has different customs and, and rules uh, that go along with that. And, and folks have been protesting in some cases. And I've seen reports of people surprised by the law enforcement reaction to yeah. the actions they've taken. And I'm not here to decide what's right or wrong. But we all need to understand whatever the domestic laws are. You can disagree with them; we all can. But if you're in a country and you break the law of that country, you've you've still got a problem. You know, the, the reality is, you know, you can't just say, "Well, I'm an, I'm an American and it's it's legal in in you know where I'm from." It Doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not it's not legal there. So, um, you know, I think people need to really have these opportunities. You know, products like this one, or, or travel assessments, or some other ones, you know, to be informed. And so, most of the major. Uh, you know, the sponsor uh, organizations, the the teams themselves, et cetera. As you said, yes, I think I think most have travel assessments and have briefings and are are given those opportunities to understand what, you know, the do's and don'ts are wherever you're going. I'm not sure the general population nef- necessarily uh, has enough of that though. Um, and I think it would be good if, if more did. So, you know, so again, part of the reason we put products like this out uh, certainly is to help people who might be going to those events, you know, to, to have an understanding of what you should be looking for. It's, it's a it's a challenge. You know, a lot of people don't travel internationally uh, much, if at all. You know, for for many people mm-hmm. going to Qatar, this is probably their first international trip. Um, and if you're coming from a country that's not very similar, so not uh, probably a local neighbor, chances are very good that it's a culture shock. And there's a lot of things you you go into that country not knowing or understanding, um, right. and the results can be you know catastrophic for somebody you know personally.
0: And folks who are always looking to take advantage of that. The confusion that comes from being away from home and being in a strange place where the customs aren't what you're used to. 100%.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that can be anything as simple as um, you know what somebody charges you for a taxi cab ride, right? We've all probably mm. been there at some point, or, or <laughs> tipping. You know, tipping is a custom that's different in other parts of the world. So as simple as that, to uh, more complex things, you know, that might relate to cybersecurity. Um, you know, when I attach to the local Wi Fi, is that safe or not? Should I be using Wi Fi uh, in this country or in this region? Uh, can I use a VPN? Is that legal or not? Uh, and you know, maybe it's not legal, but it's you know, does this country actually enforce that law? Some do, and some don't, or, or mm-hmm. who they choose? To enforce it against, you know, I, I talk a lot with the Middle East. You know, it's, it comes into play sometimes. Is listen, the definition of pornography is remarkably different from country to country. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you have a, a a picture of some somebody who was just on a, a calendar that would have been considered a PG picture in the United States, it may not be uh, in a different culture. And mm-hmm. if that's the kind of thing you happen to have on your phone that could be a problem for you. So, you know, what do you do about that? Make sure you know what content you have available to you because your phone could be searched in certain countries, you know, versus others. So it's, it's those kind of details that are really challenging for people who don't focus on this a lot or don't travel a lot. And and again, we, most of us see the world through our own lens. So we have our own bias and that's not a compelling argument when you're someplace else in the world, you know, sometimes the state department for the U S you know, citizens, it can help us out, but sometimes it can't. Um, You know, I, Brittany Griner, I guess, would be the best current example, famously, that yeah. people are aware of now. You know, these are these are challenging uh, things. So, again, reports like this, I think, are, are vital uh, for people to have an opportunity to read them and, and go in with some knowledge. And if you're not going to do this, um, you know, for the local, you know, for average citizens, listen, the State Department puts out travel assessments. There's other agencies that do as well. Um, I think it's very important. I'm I'm thankful that we have a great team that puts these uh, kind of reports together for folks on assessments for specific large events. Uh, you know, I think you know the G20 is another one we've been known to do, um, but also the ability to provide companies with travel assessments specific to their needs. Hey, I've got an executive going to you know this country next month. Can you tell us everything we need to know? Those kind of things. You know, I'm glad we have a great team that does that. I'm sure it keeps a lot of people safe.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a report worth checking out. I mean, even if you're not heading to the World Cup. Uh, Anybody who travels or or we work with people who do, it's just I I enjoy reading these sorts of things because it it kind of opens my mind up to a lot of what ifs that I that I probably don't consider in my day to day. And, uh, you know, that kind of intellectual stimulation, I, I think, is always worthwhile. So hats off to you and the team for coming up with this
1: yeah thanks I, I again my team these guys are great like I, nothing but credit goes to them i'm i'm thankful to work with with brilliant people that care about keeping the world a safer place so i'm, I'm excited to talk about them all day long these guys do amazing work uh and I'm, I'm thankful to have the chance to chat with you guys hopefully we can help some folks
0: Our thanks to AJ Nash from ZeroFox for joining us. The research is titled Qatar 2022 World Cup Event Assessment. We'll have a link in the show notes. Eliana White, Peru Prakash, Justin Saby Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Filecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week.